This is the Real Estate Guide podcast, brought to you by the Sunshine Coast Daily. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Guide podcast, brought to you by the Sunshine Coast Daily. As always, I'm your host, Nathan Dell, joined by Tash Wilbert. How are you, Tash? Very well this week. Tash is very exciting because she, yeah. she has some big news for us in a minute. We'll get to that in a second. And always, Mr. L. Levy. Hello, mate. Hey, how's, how are you? Very well. She's warmed up again. It's autumn, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, was it like 33 oh, the first day? sweating <laughs> like the rent's due, and it's autumn. This is absolute nonsense, I've got to tell you. We've officially broken the planet. Uh, now, I'm very excited. Big, 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 big day, uh, big weekend in uh, Bunnings last weekend. Everyone was, so. everyone was after the rain. Everyone was out doing the gardening. Yeah, or getting rid of lawn grubs, whatever it might be, yeah. As I, as I mentioned a couple of times, I'm doing some renovations at my place, and I just I just walk in there, they're like, g'day, Nathan. Yeah, g'day. It's getting that to that point now. That it's, if I don't come into Bunnings, they start ringing the police. Yes, staff discount. It's like an Amber Alert. No, I don't think so. But uh, they wait, wait a second. Nathan's not here. We better check if he's okay. Now, Tash, you're very excited. Your first yeah. words to me as I sat down in the, in the chair today, there's a new bachelor. Yes. Now, who is this rooster? He's off Survivor. Okay, Rocky. you've lost me already. He's tall, dark, and handsome. And what's his claim to fame when he's not on reality TV? Does he is he is he anybody or is he just a, it's a Survivor All Star? But does he have a job? Is he a is he a painter or a boilermaker or a sure. reality TV identity? <laughs> that's the problem. Two people think that's a job, and it's not. <laughs> now I've got to ask you though, because I was sure the dreamy Dr. Chris Brown was yeah, in that. Wasn't he, was, he in the gun to do this? He was in the mix, yeah. Mm. But is that a bit risky because they would be applying just for? Possibly. And considering the last four or five of these bachelors have left with a worse reputation than what they started yeah. with, they might not want to Maybe. damage their, their golden-haired boy, literally. And he's got a pretty good reputation. As yeah, it is, seems nice, it? you know, works with animals. Seems dad, Saves gerbils. <laughs> is he a dad? No. You just, are you just extrapolating now? <laughs> as, you and, as you and Dr. Chris Brown form a wonderful life together. Yeah. Now, very excited today about our guest. It's a bloke that uh, certainly Earl and I have known for a long, long time. Uh, one of the foremost legal minds on the Sunshine Coast, and also a man who can point you to the right aisle in Dan Murphy's. From Travis Schultz Law, Travis right. Schultz, who as well as being a world-class legal counsellor, is also, I don't reckon there's a keener mind for fine wine on the coast than Travis. Or food. Or food. And he's not bad on the bike either. He, um, he, goes he, right. he rides a uh, Tour de France before the um, actual event gets underway. I did. I, I, I travelled a little bit with Trav and we were in uh, in New Zealand. Uh, and we were off to go and do something uh, recreational one day and say, Look at those mountains. alcohol related. <laughs> and Trav went to go mountain biking. Well, you enjoy that, Chev, because he's a very keen cyclist as well. Yeah. But really keen to talk to Travis today because obviously there's myriad things that can go horribly wrong from a legal sense when you're buying or selling a home, especially a lot of people who might be getting involved in, especially the buying of a home for the first time, may not realise the importance of getting the conveyancing done, but getting it done properly, getting somebody the right person to do it. Uh, I still have vivid memories as a young bloke growing up in Budrum and the home my parents bought that I grew up in, we had council blokes in our front yard for about four months because the conveyancing did not show up. There was an easement right through the front of the property. So we had a, we had a digger living in our front yard for about four months as they were putting in a new storm water pipe. Stuff like that is why proper conveyancing is essential, isn't it? Yeah. The other thing was um, the, the perennial neighbourhood dispute about uh, trees or fences. Trees and fences. Uh, oh. friend, friends have got uh, – they're actually in Sydney and two – they're in a big suburb, a high-class suburb mm. – and they just don't get on, and the the boundary alignment is not in the right place. It's what ten, twelve, about a, you know, a foot in the old 
measurement difference. When you're talking about Sydney real estate, that foot of land can be worth about three quarters of a million dollars as well. Exactly. So <laughs> they're trying to So they're trying to work this out, and it's all because of a fence. And both are virtually facing bankruptcy on the legal fees oh, yeah. because neither wants to give in. As I say, I'm very lucky, and I mentioned to Travis, I'm currently doing that at the moment, just sorting out the repair of an old timber fence on my property that actually I share this with two properties, and I've been really lucky so far, touch wood, that everyone's been kind of, yeah, that's cool. I'll go your half for that bit. I'll go your half for that bit. But I reckon there'll be a lot of stories that have not been that clean and, and cut ever. So talk to Travis about that and a few other legal issues that might come up if you are buying or selling a property, especially for the first time. We'll check out our auction action as well and our picks of the week. And yet again, Tash is already winning because she's printing me out her version of her copy and in colour. So congratulations, Tash. You're already leading. Thank you very much. That and much more here on the Real Estate Guide podcast brought to you by the Sunshine Coast Daily. There are many factors involved in achieving the best possible price when selling your home. If you want to maximise your price, research tells us by combining online with newspaper advertising, you will achieve on average an 18.5% better price. You need to get your message out to as many people as possible to get the best price. So when you list your home, make sure you advertise in Saturday's Sunshine Coast Daily Real Estate Guide. Source RP Data Core Logic, 12 months to February 2017, Sunshine Coast Region. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guide podcast brought to you by the Sunshine Coast Daily. Auction action. It's raining, then it's hot, then it's raining, then it's hot. It's absolutely out of control. Earl, is our inclement and very, very fickle weather, is it having an effect on the auction action? I don't know about the auction action, but it's having an effect on me. I don't know whether to, <laughs> I'm the who goes to the auctions. I don't know whether to pull the blanket up or uh, kick it off overnight. Now we had a big week here. There's a couple of properties we we had our eye on. We had to last really. Week. Uh, Who have you got last the uh, in rooms at Caloundra last oh, Thursday? That's a good property. I think one of your picks might have been. Yes, I think part of the in rooms. I think we yeah. had a couple there. I think we did. Yeah, a few surprises, but um, boy, it was heavy bidding. Um, the this is the Caloundra Event Centre. Yep, Caloundra Event Centre. Um, the only one that didn't get bidding over a million was the original 1970s three-bedroom house at Aruna, which sold at auction for close to uh, after auction for close to 500, I believe. And that was eff- effectively you were buying a block of land there, weren't you? Really, pretty much. In all seriousness, that's probably going to be a bulldoze, I think. Um, now let's get down to business for Seaview Terrace, the uh, oceanfront apartment yes. with uh, tenancy underneath. I thought, you know, maybe one six, one seven, something like yes. that. Yes. Uh, it started off at two million. <gasps> it started at two million. <laughs> and went up in hundreds from there. Two one, two, oh, two, so two, no three, one's two, going two, up four. by five thousand dollar blocks. <laughs> no. Where did it end up? Uh, two point seven five oh. That was pretty good. Then my and other- considering the original owners would have paid about eleven dollars for that property back in nineteen fifty one. I think so. They yeah. might be paying some capital gains tax. Tenancy's been in there for about 20 years, I think, as oh, far as I know. Oh, that's a win. Do we know, now, Earl, do we know, given the age of the property, I'm not being disrespectful here, was it a deceased estate? Do we know no, no, why no, the sale no, came about? No, no, I think that they've um, probably had it that long that they now want to do something else. Got some cash to do it with it. I wish I had that problem. Oh, imagine that. Oh, what am I going to do with my waterfront property? <laughs> oh, do I walk oh. down to the um, do I walk down to the coffee shop or to the uh, mini brewery? <laughs> yeah, or what, take a surf. What am I going to do with my waterfront property that I owe nothing on because I bought it forty years ago? Yeah. Oh, good problem. Well okay. done. Good buying. It was. The other one was 8 Nung Nung Street at Dickey Beach. Um, beachside renovation, the one with the pool. I think we had that as a, a house, a pick of the week like too. like this one, yeah. It started a mill and um, good built bidding got to 1.410. Um, there was another one, 18 slash 5 Canberra Terrace, an apartment there. It sold at 1.270. Some happy vendors. 
Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, also, this week we had some um, sole priors. That was at 17 Currie Court at Budrum. Um, um, I think that was mainly from locals or wanting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and another one was at Sippy Downs, sole prior, uh, 10 Albany Street. Um, oh. I think that, that'll do me for um, results. <laughs> <laughs> He's tired, everybody. He's still disappointed about being able to look for The Bachelor, to be fair. So if, if, you, can, if you can take the time, if it can bother you, what's happening this weekend? <laughs> this weekend, let me have a look. Um, a, a penthouse apartment at Little Cove. Oh. It'd have to be. So if that one, if that one started at $2 million, will we be starting at 4 I don't know, but I've been trying to get Gold Lotto each week to so I can afford to live What's there. What's the stats? How many bedrooms? Um, three. See, three bedrooms. So it's not small. Little no, cove. No, not, yeah. Oh, I reckon, <laughs> gentlemen, start your engines at least three and a half. <laughs> um, we're, not, we're not going through the ones and twos to waste everybody's time, I wouldn't think. It's uh, unit four at slash 17 Little Cove Road. It would be all of 80 metres to the beach. A million uh, dollars of that is worth just the fact that you've got somewhere to park near Noosa. Yes, definitely. We've got car accommodation. Seriously, <laughs> that's a million dollars right yeah. there. Car accommodation within 500 metres of the Hastings Street. Well, now, yeah, just walk back and pick up the paper and, and have a coffee at... Um, Stop at sales for a coffee and then mosey back up the hill. Yeah. That's the dream. Get the longboard out and away oh, you yeah. go. Now the festival of surfing's over and everyone's gone home, you can surf again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was one coming up, uh, Calitris Crescent at Marcus Beach. It's sold prior to, I believe, no... Oh, it's had he's had prior offers on that one. It's going on Saturday at two o'clock. But do you uh, wonder maybe there's already been prior offers? You might not get to Saturday. Um, he's got a block of land in Calitris as well um, that is due to go to auction later in the month, and he doesn't believe it'll reach auction. The number of yeah, it's a good spot there. I can get snapped up before we get the hammer out. Um, what else have we got this weekend? Oh, it's most of the actions up at Noosa. Um, 22 Mossman Court, eight-bedroom house, waterfront pool. Wow. Oh. Eight bedrooms. <clears throat> Four o'clock on uh, Saturday. Um, Where's Mossman Court? Is that – that's um, – that is, the... that, is that Noosa Waters? No, no. Noosa Sound. Oh, okay. So still toward, beautiful part. Towards, towards the Noosa Sound shopping centre. Yeah, okay. So more, more of a sort of like the Harvey Norman – Gibson Road kind of side of things. Oh, no, no, still on Noosa Sound. You haven't even crossed the bridge near oh, the okay. Coast Guard. Oh, I know where you are. Okay, yep. yeah. Well, yep. that's a nice spot. Eight bedrooms. Yeah, that's going to be, um, be big bidding too. What else have we got? Oh, the block of land, 34 promontory. The promontory at Noosa Waters, vacant 731 square metres. Um, the agent there sold another vacant one in Noosa Waters a couple of weeks ago. You could have some fun with that. Yeah, I think the other one sold for a couple of million. I'm not sure. Potentially, it's going to be a big dollar buyer who's buying that. How is that zone? Could you go three stories? If you can afford the land, you could. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm pro- not sorry. <laughs> There's no issue with the receipts. I'm just seeing from a council point of view. Could you go that yeah, Two high stories there? probably with a rooftop terrace. Yeah, that might do it. Yeah, there's the renovators coming in there. That was the price speak. of land just collapsing. <laughs> <laughs> or one of our colleagues falling over the printer. We're still yet to, just, yet to decide. That's the old... Um, Print, uh, the, the, remember when the old uh, compositors and that were in that section? Oh, I was too, yeah. Yeah. Has that yeah. being ripped apart, is it? I'm not quite Apparently. sure. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get out there and find out that you two don't have desks anymore. Oh, what a shame, eh? <laughs> we'll have to work from home, Tash. <laughs> means, no, um, means nothing to anybody who's never walked into this building. Continue on. I think that's it. I've, I'm done. You're done. He's, 
He's too tired again. Oh, out, done. Toasted. <laughs> Look, despite Earl's lack of stamina, there actually is a lot of properties you can check out from last weekend and this weekend coming for the auction action. Check it out in the Real Estate Guide. There are many factors involved in achieving the best possible price when selling your home. If you want to maximise your price, research tells us by combining online with newspaper advertising, you will achieve on average an 18.5% better price. You need to get your message out to as many people as possible to get the best price. So when you list your home, make sure you advertise in Saturday's Sunshine Coast Daily Real Estate Guide. Source RP Data Core Logic, 12 months to February 2017, Sunshine Coast Region. Hello and welcome back to the Real Estate Guide podcast brought to you by the Sunshine Coast Daily. Our guest this week, as we were saying earlier, Earl, the, there's two sides, I reckon, of the real estate experience. And I reckon our next guest gets the furry end of the lollipop because real estate agents get to have all the fun. They get to walk people through their dream houses and, and see the excitement on people's faces when they see they've got the winning bid and they get to move into the home. They're going to raise their families in and, and have friends come over and, and make a dream life for themselves. And, and then lots of uh, coffees. and Exactly. They start <laughs> dreaming about their life. And then there's the other side of it, the people who get to do all the paperwork. And that side of the world, I think the most important but the less glamorous side of the world is being represented by our next guest from Travis Schultz Law, the man whose name is on the shingle, Travis Schultz. Trav, welcome to the podcast this morning, mate. Thanks for having me along. That seemed fair enough. The agents get all the glory, you do all the work. Well, that's how we would see it, though I suspect if you ask some of the agents. <laughs> this is they the man who just hosted the wine symposium this week. <laughs> well, we'll get on to the wine symposium because whining is a long part, big part of this podcast. But but it's a it's a funny old relationship, isn't it, Trav? And and obviously, maybe people who've never bought a house before or sold a house before, maybe naively, especially if you've got young, especially say first home buyers, don't realise how how intrinsically linked the law is in purchasing, say, your first home. Well, there's no doubt about that. And it's not just an issue of making sure you've you've got your stamp duty covered and you and you make sure you get the title transferred, but there's a whole stack of risk management that's involved when you're buying something so significant as a house, particularly when it's your first house. And you know, sadly, in my type of practice, I see these um, these property purchases when they go wrong, when there's a problem, because I I don't do the conveyancing side, but in in the event that there's there's an issue with the property or with the contract and something falls over and it becomes um, litigious, there's a bit of argy-bargy, that's where I tend to see them. And I can tell you it's pretty ugly. They don't often go wrong, but when they do, they can be a real myth. And because you're talking about the biggest investment people will ever make, so as well as there being a lot of emotion involved, you're talking about an investment of hundreds of thousands of dollars. So people don't let those things slide, do they? And that's where, as you say, very quickly, things can get litigious. And the, the, the real issue, I guess, Nathan, is that you've got to have risk management in place. You've got to understand what your risk is, understand not just the potential extent of the risk, um, the magnitude of the risk, but also the probability that it might come into play. And whilst it's a very, very small number of conveyances and transactions where you do have a problem, where there is a problem, it can have a consequence of tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's important to to make sure that you understand the risk from the outset. And the best way to do that, I would suggest, is to make sure that when you're about to sign the contract, you're already talking to whoever it is who's going to handle the conveyance to make sure that 
the contract is in accordance with what your expectations were. And I imagine you'd still hear it from time to time and they, and they would always fall into the category of a horror story. And this is a great piece of advice we can give to our listeners. People who still think, oh, you know what? I'll save myself some money. I'll do my own conveyancing. And look, you know, Travis may be accused of being buyers here. We're not solicitors, Earl, and we are also here telling you, do not do it. It is a road Years to disaster. Years ago, I did it myself and uh, – I needed a lot of time. He's still in court over that one. But, but Trav, at the risk of you sounding like you're just trying to, you know, get new customers for your industry, but it's very, very rare that self-conveyancing ever goes well because it actually is an incredibly complicated thing, isn't it? Well, look, it's complicated. And the problem with doing it yourself is that you haven't bought an insurance policy. If you are using a, a lawyer, the lawyer obviously you'd like to think is always going to get it right, but in the unusual and rarer case they don't, well, at least they've got insurance. So there's someone standing behind them that you know is going to be able to put you back in the position that you should have been, but for the stuff up, whatever that might have been. But the critical thing that that people need to understand is that just because you sign a contract that is subject to finance or subject to pest and building inspection doesn't mean that you can get out of that contract for any reason if you change your mind or you discover some other defect in the property that you didn't think existed. Those clauses, subject to finance, subject to pest and building, uh, are are interpreted um, by courts as requiring you to undertake all reasonable steps to secure that approval, and you've got to act reasonably. So if you find some unrelated defect, for example, there's a retaining wall that um, has got some loose rocks in it that you didn't know about, or there might be a pergola that's been constructed that doesn't have a council approval or whatever it might be, um, those clauses don't automatically entitle you to get out of the contract. So it's really important to make sure that you've got some advice at the outset. Don't sign the dotted line until you've, you've had a chat to your conveyance or, or your lawyer about it. And you talk about reasonable expectation there. Say, for example, in another situation, one of the more common ones that comes under pest and building is maybe termite damage. So say an example there, and you talk about, you know, you've got to make a, a reasonable effort to, to to remedy that problem. Say there was termite damage found in a home and reasonable quotes came in that it was going to cost the new owner, say, $500 mm-hmm. to repair that. Would something like that be considered too minor to invalidate a clause or a contract based on the pest and building because it's not a huge amount of outlay for the new owner? Well, yes and no. It always depends on circumstances, of course. And as you, you, you rightly point out, the extent of the damage and the cost of the repairs is relevant to determine the question of whether or not it was reasonable to rely upon that clause to terminate the contract. Uh, and that's going to depend on, on circumstances. So, for example, if you've got a property that's being exchanged for $3 million, $500 in that context is very different to if the property is worth $150,000. So, again, you've got to contextualise these things. Um, but the, the important thing to understand is that you don't automatically have a right to get out and you should make sure that if there's a particular concern you have about the property, that that's expressly written into the contract. For example, are all structures approved? Um, just because you find that one of them isn't approved when you get your council search doesn't automatically give you an out. And people understand that under the REIQ contract, uh, there's not necessarily an opportunity to terminate a contract if you find out that there's not a proper council approval uh, in place, or for example, a plumbing inspection certificate, or the like. So um, you just just you buy beware, I guess, is is the key. And a big one that I reckon you'd encounter a lot, and we talk about it a bit here on the podcast, is say 
adjoining fence issues. It's funny. I've been telling the guys here in the podcast, I'm actually dealing with that on my property right now. I've been very, very lucky in the fact that the two parties I'm dealing with, with two separate adjoining properties, one is a gentleman who owns the home and he's very, very comfortable with just, you know, we'll just go halves and it's all good. The other part of the fence is a rental property. So I'm having to deal with the real estate agent and going through that. And look, touch wood so far, everyone's all being very sensible and very, very civil about yeah. it. But a situations like that, it can go pear-shaped very fast. It sure can. And the big issue, I think, with these property disputes is not so much the fencing. People understand that there's a mutual obligation to contribute towards the cost of having uh, an appropriate dividing fence between properties. Uh, And what's appropriate, again, varies depending upon the locale and the the type of estate uh, or area that you're in. What's reasonable in a rural environment is very different to what's um, uh, appropriate in a built-up residential area. But the bigger issue in this is trees because we have this legislation now which imposes obligations on the keeper of a tree. And you know, you can you now see circumstances where some adjoining neighbours might um, you know, initiate a dispute using um, you know, what colloquially sometimes gets called a view improvement notice where they want a tree cut down or removed or hacked um, so as to improve their view when there's an impact on the amenity of the, the tree keeper, the owner of the tree. Those sorts of disputes um, have proliferated in recent years. Uh, and the best advice I can give... And is there a rule of thumb there, Trevor? I know it's hard to take a general approach to it, but is there is there a rule of thumb, for example, that, say, Earl lives next door to me, heaven forbid, um, <laughs> given his, his love for wanton nudity, but uh, say if he's got a tree in his yard, it starts encroaching across my fence line. And again, I'm asking you to be very general here, but in a general sense... What is the rule? Am I allowed to trim that tree, say, back to the fence line? Is that the general rule yeah. of common sense that is applied in most of these situations? That is. That is the general rule of thumb, that you know, if you've got someone's tree hanging over your fence, uh, you're, you're not um, you know, encroaching on their property if you remove the, the, that, those part of the limbs that are on your airspace, on your side of the fence. Um, there can be exceptions, of course, to every rule, so you've got to be a bit, bit careful about that. Um, but you see, the obligation lies on the tree keeper. Um, so if you have a tree, a large tree that overhangs your neighbour's fence and it needs to be pruned um, or hacked back for whatever reason uh, it might be necessary, the cost of doing that would ordinarily fall on the tree keeper, not on the neighbour over whose fence it hangs. So people need to understand that you know, if they have a tree on their property, they're responsible for it. And if it means that um, you know you have to meet the cost of, of hacking it back and having it lopped, then that's what you've got to expect. Sounds reasonable. Um, another issue, of course, uh, that's, it is reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. It's maintaining something that's on your property. Well, it's your structure. It's regarded by law as a structure. Yeah. Now, but the other issue is damage caused by a tree. If you keep a tree on your property and it's a big Morton Bay fig and it's near the boundary line and the roots of that tree go and disturb the foundations or the plumbing or, or whatever it might be of your adjoining neighbour, <laughs> then you are potentially responsible for the cost of rectification and damage. So people got to be alert to the fact that it's not just the branches you've got to be worried about, it's the roots. That's why our Greek brethren had it right. Concrete for everything. <laughs> Makes a lot more sense. Now, Trevor, before we let you go, um, we're always keen to talk to people like yourself who are, who are around the coast and have been here for a long time. 
What are your thoughts on 2020? How are we looking? Obviously, through your office, you'd be seeing a lot of things as in, say, the number of conveyancing jobs you're doing. Are you getting a bit of a sense that from a real estate point of view and even just a general you know, commerce feel, are we feeling confident here in on the Sunshine Coast, given that we are, you know, we've just seen another interest rate drop. There are concerns about coronavirus and, and the tourism effects that that will potentially have down the road. Is there a good sense of the coast in your office? Yeah, look, I can't talk about conveyancing numbers because I don't actually do the conveyancing per se. Um, but as a, as a general feel, I think there's a great sense of optimism for growth across the Sunshine Coast. We've got some terrific opportunities. Um, yes, we have some headwinds in terms of the impact of coronavirus on tourism, the impact on education because of foreign students obviously not being able to attend as they perhaps planned. Um, there are challenges, but they're not germane to the Sunshine Coast, of course. I think that in the circles that that, that you know I tend to sort of network in, um, most people I talk to are very upbeat about the prospects. I think everyone expects that there's going to be ebbs and flows. There'll be dips from time to time. But overall, very optimistic. Uh, everyone's growing. Everyone's excited. The Sunshine Coast is the best place in the world to live. So what's there not to be happy about? And we should let you ask before we let you go as well. Anybody who's spent any time with Travis knows there is probably not a better nose for wine on the Sunshine Coast. The the Travis Schultz Law Wine Symposium. How's that coming along? Uh, so that was held last Friday night, the Wine Symposium. Um, we had about 22 different wineries represented either by winemakers or by their reps. Uh, hoping to make an annual event. It's really a you know a business networking event for professionals and businesses, uh, but it's it's fantastic to have it back on the Sunshine Coast, given that uh, there, there are no large-scale wine symposiums or wine shows on the Sunshine Coast anymore. They've all fallen by the wayside, given that Clive destroyed the Hyatt and, and or the great wine event they had up there, and uh, obviously, Stewart's Hotel used to have one many years ago. Uh, but okay. Oh, many, many years ago. Oh. I tell you what, the one that was at the height, I spent a week there one night. It was a uh, it was a great event before, <laughs> unfortunately, the unfortunately before the, uh, the Caddyshack 2 began. But as you're saying, though, as as part of us being a maturing region, and we talk about it a lot from a, a commercial point of view and from a real estate and a tourism point of view, things like fine dining and things like people enjoying a better quality of wine, not so much the old shadow to cardboard anymore. Um, events like this are going to become a lot more popular, aren't they? Look, I think there's no doubt about that. And I think there's a developing level of sophistication amongst the Sunshine Coast um, consumers, particularly, you know, you've got bon vivants like Earl Levy, for example, going out in the town most nights. And- <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing a cravat right now, just so you know, <laughs> But um, look, we've got some fantastic venues. It's been brilliant to see the rejuvenation of the wharf down at Mooloola Bar and the great venues there that Tony Kelly and his, his ilk have brought along there. Up in Noosa, we've got some world-class fine dining. Uh, Waterfront is exceptional. Ricky's exceptional. Just great venues. And in Sunshine Beach, uh, you know, some young guys just setting the world on fire with with their style of their take yeah, on, it's good. on Asian fusion cuisine. So, no, look, the Sunshine Coast is coming along in leaps and bounds. No longer are we the poor cousin to the Gold Coast, I think, across the board, whether you're talking restaurants, Uh, food and wine or just in industry generally. Um, The Sunshine Coast has a lot to offer um, and it is developing and will continue to develop. And I think in time, um, it will be seen for what it really is. And that is a world-class destination and the ideal place to live. Quality quality produce too, but uh, the um, community was very giving on uh, at the Wine Festival with a great donation towards Life Flight, wasn't it? Yeah, so Life Flight, again, a charity which support the Sunshine Coast 
in a very real way. Uh, you would be living under a rock if you hadn't seen the RACQ yellow helicopter coming overhead from time to time. Or heard them overnight coming in. Rescuing, rescuing bushwalkers have taken thongs and half a bottle of water, that, yeah. look, but Sadly, they are some of the missions that are done, but there are a whole range of things that are flown. I think but the difference for LifeFlight is that the cost of each of these life-saving missions is about $12,500 on average, and oh. only 70% of the revenue required to run the service comes from government-related grants or commercial contracts. So they've got to fundraise 30% of the cost of every life-saving mission they fly. So that's about $3,500 loosely per mission that they've got to fundraise. So if they go and save someone who's on the edge of a cliff or clean up after a bad car accident or pull someone out of the water who's you know, had a near drowning or whatever it might be, they've got to go and then fundraise $3,500 to make it possible to save the next life. And so it was great to have support yeah. last Friday night I think we raised about $8,500 through a raffle. Thanks to the generosity of ANZ. I should give ANZ a big plug. Very generous in providing the main, the main prize. One of the um, ANZ business bankers, Glenn Chapman, serves on the LifeLight Advisory Board um, locally. Uh, and he's been a great supporter and, and of course, um, has brought ANZ to the table. And they've done some terrific work here. So thanks again to Glenn and to the ANZ Bank for your support of LifeLight. And I should disclose that I sit on the board of the LifeLight Foundation, so doubly Absolutely. grateful. No, and you do a wonderful job with it too. Look, whether it's world class legal counsel or advice on a cheeky little Sav Blanc from the Marlborough region, or riding uh, the Tour de France. Either way, our guest today is the man to talk to from Travis Schultz Law. Travis Schultz, mate, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us this week on the podcast. Thanks for having me. See you, gents. There are many factors involved in achieving the best possible price when selling your home. If you want to maximise your price, research tells us by combining online with newspaper advertising, you will achieve on average an 18.5% better price. You need to get your message out to as many people as possible to get the best price. So when you list your home, make sure you advertise in Saturday's Sunshine Coast Daily Real Estate Guide. Source RP Data Core Logic, 12 months to February 2017, Sunshine Coast Region. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guide podcast brought to you by the Sunshine Coast Daily. Wasn't Travis Schultz tops? He's fantastic. Very knowledgeable, whether it's legal things, wine, food. I hate these people. They're so so organised and so- He's fit too. Yeah. Yeah. He's a a lovely fella. He's very smart. He knows his wines. They're organised. They can think clearly instead of- Rambling on like That's we why do he'll sometimes. never return to this podcast ever again. After we rambled on, I was just saying everything minutes. that he wants to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, you're only young. I'm sure there's still a, there's still a chance. You still got your 80s to look forward to. Now, before we go, of course, our picks of the week. I lived through the 80s. Yeah, I don't mean the 80s. I mean your 80s. We're going to start with Tash. You've gone to beautiful Golden Beach, and I'm going to put it out here. 117 in the Esplanade. Is this the longest pool that isn't owned by the council? Yeah. This thing looks massive. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. And if you don't like the length of the pool, you can go and swim in the Palmerstone Passage. Palmerstone like passage. That, and I love the fact they've gone, look, you know what, it might be a bit choppy one day in the passage. Let's have a pool. And look, obviously, photography can be a little bit deceptive sometimes. You can I do sail this, up. This pool you is conservatively do... 15 metres long, if you, not 20. You could do stand-up paddleboarding oh, in mate, there. You could cut laps in there. You could have a primary school swimming carnival in this pool. It's huge. <laughs> you want that, though? No, I don't. <laughs> well, not, just, I've got primary school kids. So I don't want it for the poor people who buy this house because they're probably lovely people and most kids at age are animals. Uh, four bedrooms, two and a half bath, two car accommodation. As I said, the longest pool outside of a council-owned facility. This is a beautiful property. Well, it's a 607 square metre allotment. so It's long and thin, it's isn't long, it? long, yes. Yeah. So it would be quite, yeah. Uh, what else? It's a it's a Tuscan villa inspired home. 
So Italian style. Yeah, I like that. It's got the uh, you can see it with the uh, the yellow colouring on the house and yeah. the, the terracotta rooftop. It's very Tuscan. Very Tuscan solar panels as well, which Ooh. is Tuscan, and it might help you the power bill as well. If you're trying to heat that massive pool, that's going to <laughs> no, take some heating. You don't need heating. That thing is long. <laughs> well, you really don't on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, when can we check this one out? Uh, you can go Saturday and Sunday, eleven to eleven thirty. Now, oh, um, yeah, just before you do, I was uh, going to wash the car the other day and uh, go to the bucket which had water in it with a sponge in, and I said to um, the friend who put it out there, I said, did you use the hot water tap for this? No, no, no it's just been sitting there sitting for a while. Sitting in the sun, <laughs> just boiling. Now, Earl's just plonked a piece of paper down in front of me <laughs> with three different properties on it. Which which one is your pick? Because they're all fine properties that you'll see on page 29. Uh, which one are you going for? Um, the what? The land. Oh, the land. Yeah. Um, so we're, six, we're heading to Rosemount, which is one of my favourite parts of the Sunshine Coast. 6.47 hectares of flat usable land. It's at 101 Petrie Creek Road, Mount Rosemount. Um, really uh, sizable um, uh, house and shed. Good soil out there too. And I'll tell you how you know where good soil is because of the turf farm. Looks like a turf farm. Yeah. Well, it looks like a turf farm here. You're right, but the yeah. fact that it's, uh, and the fact that if you drive along there, if you drive along that along that Petrie Creek Road or Rosemount Road, anywhere along there, stuff's always growing. It was cane land for years. No matter what you're doing here, that'll be beautiful, fertile soil. It's like that's what it's been. It's real river flats. Um, the unbelievable shed. It's um, massive. Three. Quite know what the size of it is. Well, three, three, idea, three bay. To give you to give you some sense of perspective in the photo, there's a boat in the corner. That's a decent sized boat. Looks like a dinghy. It does against yeah. the size of this shed. So this is absolutely massive. Um, it's got everything there that you could possibly want. The house itself, like I said, it's um, oh, two bedroom, uh, one bathroom, but you've got garaging for six. Is the house the relative, relatively basic? It is part of the shed, is it? It's attached yeah, to the yeah, shed? Yeah, it's attached to the shed, so it's something that's that's grown over time. Anyway, it's going to auction uh, March 22nd, and you can expect it Saturday, 2 to 2.45 p.m. Nice um, driveway there, um, timber timber fencing. Um, yeah, this looks like a mezzanine uh, loft for mm, be- a good job with that, actually. inside there. Well, I've got to tell you, uh, you know I'm a bandit for a long pool, but I'm even more of a bandit for a big shed. Earl is the winner this <laughs> oh, week. Oh, yes. In a shock oh. result. You know <laughs> he I actually printed a- you out one, so I, know, I think I he needs to be yeah, the winner. He needs to be rewarded. That was, yeah. that was a mistake, actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, you know I'm a bandit for a large shed, and this thing is absolutely massive. So Earl is the winner this week, but they're both beautiful properties. And you check them all out in this week's edition of The Real Estate Guide. Thanks. Thanks, Tash. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Levy. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you again to our guest, Travis Schultz from Travis Schultz Law. Everybody out there, have a good week, whether it's raining, whether it's a 1,000 degrees. Maybe Stay a healthy. combination of the two. Stay healthy. Wash your hands. We're not allowed to hug, shake hands, or high five. <laughs> so I'm not sure how we're going to farewell each other this week, but we'll work it out. Maybe some sort of a respectful bow, and we'll be on our way. Have a great week, and make sure you grab Saturday's Daily for your real estate guide. The Real Estate Guide Podcast, brought to you by the Sunshine Coast Daily.